Good afternoon, top badminton fans. Today I am joined by the one and only Duncan Grant. Hello. Hello. How are you doing for the second time? Um, I've um, I have to I confess to my uh, amateur um, technical skills. Um, this is our second run. Duncan's already given me half an hour of his afternoon on a Sunday, and this is the rerun. He's uh, uh, I won't bore you with the detail, but I'm I'm an amateur. But it, it's good, you know, because I've I've kind of I've got some of the answers to the questions, so <laughs> I hope I can save some of your time. Uh, frankly, let's just, <laughs> we just make it really short. Not all, not all. It was great. However, it's I'm genuinely I'm quite happy that we've done it because we had a good chat. And it's funny, I've, yeah. isn't it funny that you see somebody all the time? I mean, I saw you at a lot of tournaments in the Central Belt, mostly all obviously only in the East. I've never played in the West, but I've seen you a lot of the kind of the. The tournaments and that kind of thing in Meadowbank and stuff like that over the years and it's funny you just disappeared right yeah I mean well obviously moving up to Aberdeen's kind of a a long way down to yeah. some tournaments but yeah I mean hopefully we'll get back on the court why soon. was it why why did you decide to move why did you go back I suppose so you're from Inverness originally you went to university yeah. in Glasgow right is that right? In Hamilton. In Hamilton, and then and then was we always hankering to get back up north? No. So what happened was so after uh, so I did the sports coaching degree at UWS. Yes, we'll come to that. So I stayed there for four years. Then obviously got a job at Badminton Scotland. Stayed there for I think just over two years, and then I applied again to do PE teaching, but do a, a postgrad, so just a one year course in Edinburgh, and got into that. So then. And moved through to, to do university work there and then uh, when you're doing teaching you can um, tick a box which basically says they can send you anywhere in Scotland really? um, and I was there, there was nothing really attaching me to any part of Scotland um, so I was just like yeah I'll, I'll tick the box and I ended up getting Aberdeen <laughs> so and there was no option there was no no geographies that you said you've got to be I suppose when you're starting out as a teacher you've got to take what you can get is that an element of that I mean it sort of depends so like if you I had quite a lot of people on my course that were sort of late 30s early 40s who obviously had family or had a house somewhere so they would obviously pick five authorities that would be around that area but because I didn't have anything, I was just like, yeah, I'll tick the box. And... I see, you can go wherever. Yeah. So I did my probation year in Ellen Academy, so that's in Aberdeenshire. So it's about maybe 20 minutes from the city centre in Aberdeen. And then got a job at my current school at Harlow. Um, and I've been there for just under a year. And is that so, yeah. high school, is it? I guess it is. Yeah, I So PE teaching. So I teach first years up to sixth years. Do you really? And do you... Do you, do you, I suppose, PE, how do you, how do you kind of involve yourself in all different sports? Have you always generally got an interest in all all sorts of sports? And, and do you have to, is it mostly about the fun for as a teacher? Yeah, so for the sports side, obviously, when I was young growing up, I was quite um, into a lot of sports. So I did football for a wee while and then hockey as well to quite a big standard and then obviously badminton as well to a decent standard. Okay. Um, so that variety was always there for me and I love watching any sport like put a sport on the TV and I'll sit and watch it and I'll enjoy it um so I mean that's kind of how I got round the whole any sport you uh, start teaching PE I'm always up for learning new things and then yeah especially it first years are quite good because they're still in that sort of the primary school mindset of they will try anything yeah and they're not too big for their boots just yet. But then obviously once you get to second, third year, that's where the challenge is. So making it as fun and engaging as possible is pretty much the key. If you can keep the kids engaged, and like I say, if the kids are smiling and are having a laugh in the lesson and they're learning something, then you're doing your job as a teacher. Yes, yes. excuse me, one second. I'll just fix this. Send you back a wee bit here. Um, yeah, so it's 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 interesting, isn't it? The um, that how you how you kind of you've got to you've got to gain uh, their interest. And I was quite interested in how. What do you thought? I was going to ask you a question there. Sorry, I got distracted with the extracurricular things with other sports. 
compared to like Sir Babington. So do, do, how do you feel about like, you know, it's obviously there seems to be a lot of extra. It, it's so easy to go on a Saturday and play badminton, to play football. It's so easy yeah. to go on a Saturday and play rugby and all these different sports and even hockey to an extent. But badminton is quite hard to, to do that with, isn't it? I suppose it's just that it's finding the right people that will take these things on on weekends and availability. Is it quite easy to get courts and that kind of thing? Does the school allow for the extracurricular things with the courts and stuff? So the, the problem, especially up here, is everyone's fighting for space, really? basically. So if you can get courts, you're lucky really? in Aberdeen. Um, so, I mean, like, obviously all schools, I think, have them between five and six is kind of the, the time the school has them till, and then quite often they will let it out to other people after that time. But don't, like, I would say football is probably the one that gets in the most because yes. obviously they can make the most money that way and I understand that that's what uh, sports centres are for is obviously to make a, a revenue. Um, but, I mean, obviously with me being up here and coaching within a club and coaching the regional performance squad, I know where to send the kids so at the moment, obviously, with COVID, we can't do as much extracurricular as we would like, um, pr pretty much none at all. So it's that way of, as a teacher, I need to know where to send them. And obviously, active schools play a part there too. Um, so I've got quite a few kids that I would say are decent badminton players, but at the moment, we can't really send them anywhere because there's nowhere for them to play yet. And I suppose you do have a good network of kind of a network of, of places that people should go to and, and that kind of thing. And did, also, I was going to ask you, did you ever do, did you ever do the Inverclyde thing? Did it, you know, that residential courses for badminton and like that? Yeah, no, I've, I've never done it. I've known a couple of players that have done it and have really enjoyed it. Um, I, when I was growing up, it was, there was a, a Yonix camp in Larbert uh, and I think it was Cannon House, I think it's called. Um, so you, I think it was three, three days and, two nights you stayed um, and it was really good because yeah. it's all um, like high quality coaches sort of like Lyndon Williams was there Craig Robertson Julie Hogg Russell Hogg um, and then they brought in a lot of players as mm. well to kind of have a couple of games with us so I mean that was kind of the the residential thing for me um, and cool. I went four or five years and was that, was that how long did you go for uh, so you would go, I think you would arrive on the, I would say the Friday night or the Thursday night, I can't quite remember, and then you would leave on the Sunday, but they would have, I think it was like three different um, like camps, so you had like a beginner, an intermediate, an expert, right. so obviously they would have about, I think it was like maybe 30 people Brilliant. in that kind of, in each one, and because you knew it was quality coaching, you, like, there was loads of people that wanted to go along. Um and they did everything. So it was kind of, it was quite a, a good eye opener of what a performance player would do in terms of getting up seven in the morning, going for a run, going and doing all that kind of stuff, then coming back, having breakfast, training. I think we trained twice a day. Right. And then the last session at night was always fun. So it was like um, kick aerobics or some silly kind of game that we would play. So, I mean, like they, they made it fun and that was what, obviously brought me back every still year. Happen, don't they? The, I think Inverclyde, those camps still do happen. I've got a friend, Chris, yeah, Chris they do. he goes to the, he loves them now. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're a good thing and it's good for the kids to actually get away and experience that side of it. Yeah, um, it's proper. It's absolutely proper. Okay, let's go on with the question. So, your full name? Uh, Duncan George Grant. Duncan George Grant. Uh, Am I wrong, or do you have an uncle called George? Yeah. Ah, yeah, really? I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny that. And your age? Uh, twenty-six. Twenty-six. And you're originally from Inverness. Yeah. From Inverness, cool. And there's been quite a lot of good players from Inverness, right? You're you're in a kind of a group. Obviously, you had Stuart Ferns on and. Um, Joshua Holder, they're all, they're, I guess you played with all these guys. Yeah, and I mean, like, growing up it was good because we had a good kind of solid maybe 10 players, I would say, that all played at the same kind of standard, like, um, national level. So it kind of brought everyone along. So there was no one really 
who stood out at the time until obviously Stuart started like um, sort of charging forwards and until he got to number one. Um, but I thought it was quite good coaching wise because obviously it is hard, especially up sort of the north of Scotland. Like geographically, that is the main issue we have is um, getting to places really. So I mean, for me, it was like driving down. You'd be three and a half hours to Glasgow oh, wow. every week for a tournament or training. Um, And then obviously, like, well, obviously Josh as well, like he would have to travel an hour and a half. And it's obviously, it's a winter time as well, it's a winter sport, right? So you're doing that in the winter, no? That's, yeah, my mum still reminds me of this trip. We went to, I think it was Grangemouth. And obviously, Grangemouth, it's not that far away from Glasgow, but we would say roughly about three and a half hours on a good day would get us down to to Glasgow but because it was snowing I think it was 30, 30 miles an hour was the maximum speed we could do on the way home so we left the sports centre maybe half six and I didn't get home until like two oh, three in the morning it's going to stay and you're just yeah I mean it, but then that was the good thing about having maybe 10 of us that were all together because quite often um, like I said before we, we used to go down to Scotts yeah. every Sunday to do a three-hour training session. Now in winter, that was you know a nightmare, yeah. but you had to do it if you wanted to improve. But when we physically couldn't get down because the road was closed, um, my mum at the the badminton club that I grew up in, yes. and quite often what would happen is on the Sunday that was their performance squad, right. um, so there wasn't as many kids. So because there was like three or four of us that were going down to the national uh, squad they would give us a court and then we would just do our own training of what we did the week before kind of thing and that's how we kind of kept up with everything in winter so yeah and you'd play on the you'd go to say you'd play on a saturday in a tournament then you'd have the coaching on sunday kind of idea yeah uh so that that would be the perfect scenario is going down saturday morning leave the house at i think maybe like five in the morning to get down to a tournament and then play the tournament, stay in a travel lodge and then train for three hours and then back up the road. And was that the same? So you, your mum would drive, the two of you would check in the hotel, she would say, right, I'll drop you the coach, she'll say, I'm going into Glasgow or she'll go back to the hotel. Or is that... Well, so what, what would normally happen is, so um, like I said, my, my dad's a referee yes. for football. So um, quite often if it was the tournament and training, it would be my mum that did it. Because obviously she she could able oh, she was yeah. able to do it and she she could get someone to help at the the club while she was away, but when it was just my my dad on the Sunday, it was fine because he would he he was used to driving like that length of time and all of that so he would drive down, get out of the car, come in, get me started and then he would just go away and then eat his lunch in the car and read the paper <laughs> and that would be him. Um, so yeah, it's but, a I mean, long it was, time. It was... If you think, of, if you think about it, right, it's a long time. You know, if, if somebody says, right, I'm going to go in there for two hours, that's like a long time. Like two hours is, you know, to sit on your own in a car for two hours. If you've ever done that, it's a long time. I mean, it was all right. Um, like sometimes the before the tennis courts were built, I think at Scotston they had the the cafe where the uh, but the gym is now oh, yeah. so obviously it was easy enough if we were in quite early we would go and actually like have breakfast there oh, right. so obviously oh, right. have somewhere to go as well after but um yes. yeah i mean it was only after a couple of times of going down he would you know find different things that he could do um mm-hmm. but yeah because scotland's a little bit outside of the center by the time you get in park the car and then do what you had to do it was time to come back anyway so you you, you, you forget your parents do so much for you don't you it's oh absolutely they're they're the people that like a lot of people no matter what level they get to it's always the parents that have helped out in some way shape or form um whether it's like i think my mum and dad between the ages of i would say like 10 and 15 I was out every night of the week doing something, yeah. whether it was football, hockey, badminton, yeah. um, and they would have to take me to it. So, I mean, you take it for, you take it for granted at the time, but actually, it's quite you know you 
I guess in the modern day, I suppose people still do it. I know people do it with football. I have friends that kids are into football. And that's what they do on a Saturday. Take their kids to the football. Take their kids to the um, take their kids down on the stand by the, on the lines for however many hours. And yeah, it's amazing. So back to the questions. Uh, bring myself back online. Brothers and sisters. Two sisters, right? Yeah, two older sisters. I'm like a sidekick here. It's brilliant. Two older <laughs> sisters, and they don't do. They're not into sport. No, not into badminton. Uh, so the middle, well, the youngest one is uh, into badminton and hockey, um, and then the oldest one is just into sort of fitness. So she she'll go to the gym, the sauna, that kind of thing, yeah, and just nice. keep keep fit that way. Yeah. Keeps fit. That's, that's good, isn't it? And your mum plays. Did you say social? Yeah. So well, that's kind of how it started. Was like so she used to do the the girls' club at the primary school. Um, and then it happened that I think it was the the mums used to play at the primary school, like church hall almost. Right. Um, and then it was just one day, no one could look after me, and my mum was like, "Well, I guess I'll need to take you along." And then it was pretty much if you if they weren't playing, whoever was off was babysitting me and was um, like taking me into the hall and just having a wee I'm hit about having with me. a hit with you all. That, that's uh... Yeah, it's so good, so good that isn't it? It's um, you just got to. It's I think that's how you that's how you start. And what age were you then? Uh, I would say probably about six. I think. Yeah. Six or seven. Yeah. I'm jumping about. Maybe right? younger. I'm not quite sure. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, good. Uh, do you remember your first racket? Yeah. Yeah. So the Slazenger. <laughs> nice Slazenger. That's a that's actually a brand I haven't heard yet. I've had I've, I've had all sorts, but no slazengers as of as of yet. It's uh, yeah. No, that's good. And before that, you used to you say you used to use your mum's. Yeah, so when she used started, to have a, yeah. a Carlton. I think it was a Carlton. It was quite head heavy. Well, it was stainless steel, so yeah. it was heavy um, to the point where when I started training quite a lot, obviously the coach said that oh, you need a heavy racket, and everyone's buying these rackets. And I'm just like. Mum, can I just borrow yours? <laughs> so, what's the? What do you think the best part of your game is? That's a question. Uh, probably my smash. Really? What I would hope it would be. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I try and use it as much as I can, but sometimes I use it when I shouldn't. But what's your um? What's your string tension? Uh, it kind of fluctuates, but I would say probably. About maybe twenty five. Yeah, it's all right actually. It's not too hard. That's normally normally somebody like some strong smash tends to go for. What's the strongest you've ever had? Have you ever gone wacky? Have you ever done like well, thirty? I've I actually um, I've got my own restringing machine. Have you? Uh, so I think I got it off London Williams. It was one that he wasn't using. I was like, oh, can I have it? And he said, yeah. And then it was obviously like you say you're like. I said How to my coach, can you push it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, what, what would you go? And then he was like, oh, always look at the racket tension. Yes, that's right, maximum. Right. Right. And that kind of gives you an idea. Right. And um, I, I think I bought this string and it said like 35 was the maximum. <laughs> and I was like, do I? But, but um, I, I think 32 was the maximum that I went to. And literally, it was the scariest restring I've ever done. I think 32 is the maximum I've heard. Um, Josh McGee's thirty-two, yeah. BG eighty thirty-two, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's fine. See if you're playing a lot. Like this is the one thing that I always got told when I used to go to tournaments because I used to ask all the stringers loads of questions. And I was like, but if they were, they said if you play a lot, you'd be looking to restring your racket every couple of weeks, and the higher the tension, it, the smaller the sweet spot. So it means that if you miss hit, yes. you're either going to break the string or you're going to break the frame. Yes. So you're going to have to restring it a lot. And then I think, see, after a couple of months, I was just, I cannot be bothered restringing this racket every single week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, dropped it down to 25. So I think I took to 28 once and I played in a tournament, it's Edinburgh City, Edinburgh tournament. I think in one game, I broke two rackets in one game and I thought that was the point. I thought, this isn't right. You know, all of a sudden you're thirty quid. You're thirty quid, and you've yeah. had like one game. That it's a, that's the difference, though. Like, see, if I, like, I, I don't think I've had anyone else restring my racket since I got it because yeah. I'm like, it's getting so expensive now to get a racket restrung. I know. So um, why did you get it? Did you just want to do your own, or did you do other people's as well? 
I think it was so up in Inverness there wasn't actually many people that used to restring mm. rackets. My coach Dave and then another coach Angela used to do it, but again, you've got the problem of everyone wanted their racket restrung, mm. so it could be a week before you get your racket back. And if you're training three or four times a week, it's quite a long time to go out without a racket. And then Mm -hmm. it was just, I think it was just so happened. It's a bit of cash as well, isn't it? Come on. Come on, it's a bit bit of cash. Somebody gives you a ten or whatever. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, to be fair, I just do my own rackets because I know if I break it, it's fine. It's my own (laughs) fault. But anyone asks me to do it, I'm like, okay, I'll I'll try it. I mean, you, you get quite fast with it. And then once you, like, it's, my restructuring is back home in Inverness, so right. I need to bring it through at some point to Aberdeen. So, so you're living in you're living in Aberdeen now, are you? Yeah, uh-huh. so living in Aberdeen. All right, it's, it's not really how far is Inverness from Aberdeen? Two and a half hours. Is it? Yeah, uh, well, it's an A road, so there's no motorways or dual carriageways between Inverness and Aberdeen on the the A ninety six. Wow, I, that's me. I thought it was like sixty. I thought it was like a. I think it was like. I thought it was like sixty miles away. It's two and a half hours away from from Aberdeen. Wow, but Inverness yeah. to Edinburgh, it's, you don't do that. Obviously, you don't go to Aberdeen. You go straight through Aviemore and stuff. To if you're going to Inverness, it's not that bad, so, is it? Well, Inverness to Perth is. You'd be lucky to get there in two hours. Really. So then, yeah, and then add on maybe like an hour from there yeah, yeah. to Edinburgh maybe an hour and a half to yeah, that's the way that's the way you go yeah okay one of the questions good that's um well, why did you who so why did you start playing well, that was your mum was your influence really going to that club was it yeah I so just kind of going along and then like I said like when I was younger I used to play everything hockey and then obviously with badminton it was just um I think it was one of those things my mum seen her like enthusiastic i was about it and yes. it was just like well we'll put you to a club and then see what happens so yeah, yeah. That, was, that was that was was that amongst other clubs you did then yeah so i used to go to hockey on a friday and then i used to i think it was a tuesday i used to play f- uh, at ross county in dingwall for a while okay. as well i'm trying to think who's from forest Do you know matt wilson and he's from forest uh, he plays in edinburgh he plays at the um he plays at Nomads in North Morningside and a lot of the Edinburgh tournaments, actually. He's a yeah. friend of Michael Campbell. He's, a teacher. He's actually a teacher. Nice, oh. guy, from, nice guy from Edinburgh, yeah. Um, do you remember, so your first racket, I've covered that. The name of your first club, Duncan? Uh, Inverness Junior Active Badminton Club. Active Badminton. Does that still go, that active, active sports is a thing, isn't it? Uh, well, it's not anymore, so I think we, we dropped it. I can't remember when, but it's just I've always known it as Inverness Junior Active Badminton Club. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. And what age were you then? Did you say? Uh, must have been about seven or eight, I would say. Yeah, well. and that was the, oh, that was the first time you were at the actual club. That's yeah. Cool. Um, the, what was the hall like? Uh, well, it started off just once a week in a community centre, so the. The hall was like freezing cold, stone like floor with just a bit of vinyl over the top, so there was no padding at all. Um, and then the heaters, it was like kind of like these space heaters on the wall. So in the summer, it was a nightmare because you'd be sweating so much. Um, and then in the winter, you'd have like three layers on while you were playing. Mm-hmm. Um, they did. It was once a week on a, a Wednesday. For an hour and then obviously they had quite a lot of people go and then we managed to get a, a saturday uh, at culloden academy for two hours in the morning and then same when you say when you say we was that a club or a session or was it just oh, friends yeah, booking or what yeah so inverness juniors was there um wednesday saturday and then sunday was like the performance squad um so they kind of asked a couple of people to come in as well from other areas that would probably want a little bit more coaching yeah, that's good. And was, and was the cap, was the, what's the word, catchment area quite big? Was a lot of people came into Inverness from that? Because it's such yeah. a wide community, how far would people come? Yeah, so you would sort of, yeah, I would say from where Josh is, yeah, uh, like Lockharen kind of side, right. you'd have quite a few people coming in from there. Obviously, quite a few of the Forest boys and girls when we were playing would come across on the Sunday uh, and play with us. And then obviously Nairn, Near Abbey Moor is probably the furthest south that we would go. 
or take people in from. But yeah, it was a lot of travel busy... for a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah, and that's the problem with being up in that sort of area. You you probably be lucky to have maybe a handful of players from the same area yeah. that would play. So you'd always need to travel. Um, like I think that the most or sorry, the shortest travel journey I would have is like forty five minutes yeah. to get somewhere. Um, and that was to Forest on a Wednesday to do a bit of co- uh, to get a bit of training. So it's amazing. Yeah. And did you have free access to the hall and that kind of thing? Could you get in any time you wanted, or what was that like? No, no it was like I said, like up here, you're fighting for space. Really? Like yeah, there was a. I think it was on a Saturday. We would always try and extend it a little bit longer, um, just so we could get a bit more. But then obviously the footballers come in, or there's basketball, volleyball. Um, everything is trying to get in and because majority of the sports centres up here are in schools you're actually waiting until after 6 o'clock to get into them and that's the problem yeah. and then you've only got 4 hours before they close again so yeah. it's, very hard, yeah. it's hard I think it's a big problem nowadays is, you know, so when you look back to all the people that have played like the McGee family they have free access to a hall and as a kid, yeah. you get, I don't know about you, but as a kid, you, I just get into, you just get into things, I think. Um, you know, you, you just love something and you want to play it as much as you possibly can. And, you know, if you've got a set of keys and says you come in anytime you want and and there's the keys and, I mean, how amazing is that? So, I mean, you as a kid, you'd be all over that, wouldn't you? It's, um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, do you remember your first shuttles? Uh, so we played with plastic and it was Snow Peak, I think it was, they were called. Really? Never heard of that. Uh, Really? So our the, the coach uh, Dave McGarry, Dave McGarry he yeah, okay. big into I think it's Goosen it's pronounced. Um so then that was probably my first proper racket after the Slazinger. What, um, what was it called? The Goosen, did it? Goosen, yeah. Um so I, I really like them, but again the uh the rackets um I broke quite a few. So <laughs> probably not the best. And I went away from them, yeah. But and the coach, what was that coach called? It was Dave. I know you told me the story, but it was quite a good story. Um, so tell me the story about the coaching. So he would coach you, and he was called Mister McGarry. Is that right? Yeah. So I think me and my mum still speak about this. So it's like whenever when I first went, my mum was like, "Nah, I'm I'm taking you out. You know, it's too intense." Um, and I was like, no, 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 like I, I'm enjoying it. So we went along, and the story is that. Sorry, can I, can uh, I go back a little second? When he said it was intense, can yeah. you can you elaborate on that? What was intense? Was it intense? Is it, it was, was too serious? She didn't she didn't like them particularly, yeah. or what, what was that? Well, no, 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 it wasn't anything like that. It was just literally you do it this way, and that's the way you do it. Like so, in terms of like like I said before, like footwork was drummed into me for 15 minutes of every session. So like that's. Whenever I'm coaching now, that's something that I, I like try and get across is like, if you can get the footwork right, it, you, you've got a chance of hitting a shuttle. Yes. Whereas if you've got the best shot in the world, if you can't get to the shuttle, then you're a little bit uh, stuck. Yes. So we we did that, but it was, um, he, he had this rule that you were only allowed to call him Dave once you beat him on court. Mm-hmm. So it had to be Mr. McGarry. Um and for years, it was always Mr. McGarry that I, I knew him as. And did you, uh, was there a lot of people called him Dave? <laughs> so, yeah, like that that was the thing as well. Like the the people that kind of started off at the club with him always knew the rule was you couldn't call him Dave unless you, um, you beat him. And obviously, I think it was kind of a joke at first, but obviously with us being little kids, we're like, all right, okay, we better call him Mr. McGarry. Um, but obviously, the the more years the club ran, the more people kind of came into it. Yes. And I think, especially sort of when I was like maybe 15, 16, there was a lot of people coming in and just kind of like chanting their hand. And he would maybe like forget about the rule and then be like, all right, I can't go back now and say it. But yeah, he, he, was, definitely, he was definitely tough on us. But I think that's probably one of the reasons why like I'm at the standard that I was as a junior because it was pretty much if you didn't work he just told you to sit down and do you think he was like do you think he was a big he was a big influence on you becoming a coach yeah definitely it's him and um there was another coach Mark Wilson who it was actually a parent 
Um, and like we've spoken before, it's all about sort of the volunteers coming in and yes. helping out, and that's what keeps it going. Because obviously, um, Dave sort of stopped um, when he got to a certain age, so obviously someone else needed to take it on board, and that was Mark who said, "Yep, yeah, I'll I'll do it," kind of thing. Um, and that's kind of how the club ran for so many years after. But yeah, especially I would say quite a lot of the kids that I coach probably think I'm very strict. Really? Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I think I just—it's just something that you kind of you, you expect, especially if, like me growing up in an area where you had two hours on court, and that you were lucky to get those two hours. So you worked in those two hours, and that's one of the things that I try and get across: is you're here to work for two hours. So you know whatever we're trying to do, whether it's your technique, your movement, shot selection do it to the best of your ability and then we'll have no problems kind of thing you'll you'll improve and get better so tell me about your degree that was an interesting story about how you got into um how you decided to do that so the degree was what sorry so uh, a sports coaching degree that i did first um and originally so the plan all along in my life was to be a PE teacher was and that was the the one thing that i wanted to be um but applied two years didn't get in both years. Sorry, can I, sorry, go back. Why did, why did you want to be a PE teacher? Uh, I think everyone keeps asking, but I think it's just because I, I love sport and I love like seeing young people develop. And I think that was just like the natural job for me is just going into a school. Um, and like it's something that I love every day going into. Like if, if you're able to, you know, run about for most of the day then who wouldn't love that yeah exactly right no i think it's um and then so you so you so carry on the story so so i didn't get in both times and then it was just so happened the course came up um as uh someone i think it was maybe somebody in the school um that i was volunteering and kind of said well you know you don't need to go into pe teaching straight away you can do another degree and then go in the other route um and i was like all right okay so I just did it because I wanted to go to uni um, and get a degree and a new sport was something that I wanted to do. So I did that for four years um, and then got a a first class for that. And then within that, you had to do a placement. And that's kind of how I actually got into kind of the high performance coaching side. Um, I rang up BAM in Scotland and was just like, is there any chance I could do a placement with you? And they were like, yeah, sure. So went in and... Obviously, they, I think they remembered me after I went in and was like, oh, you used to be a junior. I was like, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, Diana, who used to be the junior national coach, kind of remembered me and was like, well, you know, do you fancy coming along and helping out? And then that's how I kind of got into And you were living very national. local to that, were you? Um, I mean, it was a bit of a struggle. I was living in Hamilton yeah. and then getting to Scotsdown without a car was a little bit of a trek sometimes. You had to get a train um, and... I remember I had to run from Scotsdale to the train station within like 10, 15 minutes to get the train straight back. Otherwise, I would have had to take a, a long way round, which was taking a wee bit of time. How is it How is it doing a course in coaching of multiple pursuits? How did, how did the te- techniques differ? Or was there... Was that part of that? Was it, was it, if I'm teaching somebody to play football, you do this? If I, how did that work? So I quite like it because obviously with coaching, you they don't specialise on one sport or another. It's just the, the whole process of how you coach. And looking up other coaches, especially sort of football coaches, they actually take a lot of ideas from other sports. So whether it's rugby for sort of how they do a formation or, you know, table tennis in terms of footwork. So for me, I quite like looking at other sports and other coaches. And that's something that I think works well in my coaching it's because I look at other sports I basically like take ideas and I'm like oh that works really well for that one right I'll take it and try it um I think that's something that a lot of coaches maybe the once you do your UKCC qualification they kind of glaze over quite a lot of the coaching stuff like it's a good course in terms of getting your qualification and getting everything that you need to coach but I think in terms of that added bit of what makes a good coach and what makes an excellent coach it's that going that little bit further 
and actually asking questions and trying stuff out. If it doesn't work, well, it doesn't work. Like and the, uh, you, you know, and even different, different, different learning from different coaches is a thing as well, isn't it? Probably. Yeah. Well, like growing up, I had numerous coaches, um, and I picked little like things up from every coach and then that's how my playing style is today is I've always taken little bits here and there and then that's why I always tell the co the kids when I'm coaching it's like I'm teaching you this way of coaching however I'm not saying it's the way that you should do it if you have learned something from another coach or if you've seen something when you're watching use it because there's nothing worse than a coach trying to change something in a player just to suit their way of coaching I think um, and I quite like how when I coach, it's just kind of like, I'll teach them it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, then we try and figure out a solution on what actually works for the kids. So do you think then it's a positive thing for somebody to be coached by one person and then go and be coached by somebody else at the same time? I think so, yeah. As long as the coach... like I've had this when I was a player, was uh, trained by two different coaches and they both disagreed with each other, basically. Yeah. And... It was quite hard for me as a player to go from one coach to another and then learn one thing and then be told by the other coach, no, forget that. Really? This is the way you yeah, do it. well, that's a problem. Yeah. And it's and it is that way. Badminton's evolving every every day. Like there's always a new technique. There's always someone's thinking changes. Yes. So it's that way of you need to keep up with the times basically. And if you're like stuck in your way. You, you will take a player to a certain level, but you need to have that flexibility of yeah. understanding that there might be a better way and always questioning your like coaching. That's something that I always do is just sort of say, am I actually teaching this the right way? And if not, okay, what's a, what's a better way? I think it's it? a, you can't, I, I just don't think you can have the kind of arrogance that you know it all kind of thing, is it? I mean, you've got to encourage yeah. people to learn of their own right and, you know, people improve their own selves and can you know? I think if you have a general interest, like you seem to have in in sport and about in this in you know, so if somebody went and I think you've got a, I I just believe that everybody. Well, that's why I do this. Everybody's got a story, and everybody knows something different. And if you can learn from everybody, yeah. and if you spend the time to talk to people, you find different things out. And it's just a case of having that curiosity to do that. I think yeah. is important. You know. Um, okay, let's go back to the questions. Uh, your first coach was Dave. Yeah, Dave began. And he was obviously a big influence with you. How many years did you see him, Duncan? Uh, probably eight, nine years. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Because um, he, he kind of, he brought quite a lot of coaches in as well. Did he? Um, in that sort of rep, that respect. So it was quite good because he knew where to put us as well. So like on a on a Wednesday we used to go through to Forest because he knew that there was players there that could push us a little bit more as well and we could push them. So um yeah, it was good. So he was quite keen on on encouraging to learn from different things, different people, which is good. Um and it's amazing, isn't it? Because that all of those influences on him will have will have a direct effect on how you coach and, and how you you know, when you question things in yourself, you you look part you look to people that you respect growing up, isn't it? That's what you do. Um, yeah. Did you first have a tournament and trophy? Uh, it would probably be the schools for me is my first tournament. Um, but I, I don't think we got a trophy. Mm -hmm. I think it was like maybe like a selection box I don't know, or something. I think I might have asked you this before, but do school tournaments still exist? Do schools competing against each other still exist? So depending on what area of Scotland you're yeah. in, um, I'm pretty sure it does. But like the the school qualifiers still happen. Yeah. Um, they, they would obviously have their um, little kind of tournament to decide who goes down to Perth to represent the the area. Um, so they do that. But I know when I was growing up, and especially in secondary school, it was it kind of dipped in and out, um, and then it kind of leads back to the whole thing of people volunteering their time to actually. Um, do like do these kind of things or the people who make it successful and that's the thing like I think the reason why it dipped in and out is because there was somebody who was there that had a keen interest in this and then they kind of not gave it up but just wanted to pass it on to somebody else and there was no one there to, yeah. to pass it on to and then that's kind of how it 
I think if I away. think that if you know these people we talked earlier about this, but I think if these if these people, I think the the world of um, kind of obviously regulatory things that you've got to do with disclosures and all that stuff, you know, can be seen. I think can be seen as a so prohibitive now that you you know as a disincentive for people to help other people. People think, oh God, I don't want to get involved in a minefield of child protection and la 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 la. And can you do that? Can you do that? Can you do that? I think you know maybe if a if a body was to simplify it and say all you need is to have X Y and Z. Then you know they might get more uptake for of teachers taking a club after school, which I think I found. You know, most people, a lot of very good players have started from. You know, I had a Mister Johnston. He was a teacher at the school. And he was a maths teacher, and after school, he took in the sports hall, which was just through there. He would take a badminton club of sixteen kids, and you know, he, the people loved it. And then more and more people come. And then they get into club after that, but without that, a question where. It, you know, I do question whether moving forwards, you know, from all the people I've interviewed, you know, when people are taken up like yourself, eight, nine, ten, eleven years old, you know, I don't know where that comes now. I don't know who's if that's happening or what the, what the uptake is of badminton at that that level as it was when you even when you grew up. And I'm fifty, but you know, a lot of the players I've interviewed in their forties, fifties, you know, that was it. That's how they started. You know, it, it was a, actually a, to be fair, it wasn't me. But it was a teacher. It was normally a teacher that kind of took some. Then Willie Hislop, I don't know if I already mentioned that, had a teacher in his school for six months, and you know <clears> she was she came in, started a club. Nowadays, would that happen? Probably not. I think you know a teacher that come in to yeah. do geography, but like badminton, and you know, unless you've got an interest and you know um, how to sort of do it, I, I don't think you would get that much. I mean, like PE teachers, like we we're all interested in sport so we all have a club but like you say it is just that another person who maybe has an interest in something um and maybe has played it when they were in school and had a positive experience that's the kind of people that kind of keep badminton going in schools that's right um and do you remember your first tournament and trophy Uh, sorry you said that did you uh, yeah yeah. and then first uh, I can't, it's not the first trophy but it's the, the funny story about it, so obviously me and Stuart Ferns used to play doubles um, and I can't remember what tournament it was if it was the SSBU one down at Grangemouth or um, Pennycook or something like that but we got knocked out in the first round and we were in the plate and we, we won the plate um, for the boys doubles and obviously we're so excited that we get these trophies we're driving home and obviously going past we're like waving at people showing them our trophies and everyone's giving it oh well done well done and then um, next car that comes up is the two boys that we beat in the final <laughs> and we're just like yeah I think we better stop this now <laughs> you, you say that but I think you both, I reckon you did that on purpose I reckon you <laughs> I think I think there'll be a gesture. I think there'll be a gesture goes love that trophy. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. And what was your so your your event? What was your favourite event? Were you always a? I know you. I know you from singles. You played mixed as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say for me, yeah, mixed is definitely my favourite. If I get a chance to play multiplayer, I give a mixed. Who's your partner? Um, who's your uh, favourite so, partner? Hmm. Oh, favourite. Um, that's a hard. That's a hard question. But who's yeah? I said. It's, do you have a favorite partner ever? Do you have a fit? There's a question. Do you have a favorite? And I don't don't do anybody that watches this, please don't take it the wrong way. But just answer that question for me. Um, well, I mean, the, the person that I played the most with and got the most assess was probably uh, Sophie Morrison. Right. So I played with her for I think it was maybe three seasons, um, and I, I quite like playing because. Um, Obviously, I've seen the one that you did with Alex and speaking about how they were yes. both like very consistent. And uh, again, like with me, like liking a smash as my shot, it made my life so much easier knowing that someone at the front of the court could consistently put the shuttle away. And yes. um, she's yeah. quick at the net, yeah. And just like you could always rely on her, even defense, like she would get majority of the stuff back. And I would just be like watching a like tape, yeah. Going on. It's I that balance, isn't it? Into you've got to have the, you've got to be very, very quick at the net, but you've got to feel that they're strong enough at the back. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than I mean, I've played with so many people over the years where you, 
you know, if, if somebody, because it's the oldest trick in the book, isn't it? You're playing against somebody, and you, you know, the lady's maybe conceivably a little bit weak at the back, so you do all you can to push at the back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's funny. But no, I mean, put put me on a badminton court and I'll play play whatever. Yeah, <laughs> whatever's mixed, in front. But mixed is good. I was, I don't even know if I can say this. Can I say this? The, one of my first coaches said, one of my first coaches said to me that you should be able to play mixed and win, and if you don't, it's your fault. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was taught. I was. I remember somebody specifically saying to me, "It's because it's quite like singles. If you like, if you you know, if you 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 do, there's a lot of running around to do, right? I think I do like that. I'm with you as well. I think it's the nearest pursuit to to singles. I, I, I don't take that away from any ladies, please. Don't take that the wrong way. But you know, there's a lot of physical stuff, you know, in the back of the court, isn't there? Don't you think? Yeah, and I'm I, just, I think I'm like, gonna stop digging myself out now. The problem, well, the the thing that's different for me is so when I play doubles, yes. I prefer playing at the front of the court than the back. Right. I, I don't know why. Um, but men's doubles, yeah, okay, yeah, aha, yeah. uh -huh. men's doubles. I uh, I don't know. I think I just prefer being at the front and being able to control that area, yes. and then knowing if the shuttle goes up, right, I've been able to achieve that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, mixed. It's. Uh, it's funny you mention that because, like, obviously, my coach Dave did say, you know, uh, mixed is basically try and hit the girl as much as you can. Really? But really? It, it's it's fine at a certain level. But see, once you get up to even like county level, that tactic doesn't really work because no. the girls have such a good so defence. They're so used to to guys hitting at them that it just goes out the window. That tactic. Duncan, so I could show you a picture of me with a black eye from a shuttle in the face from a, from Lisa Campbell. At a club at Nomads one the one Thursday night, I got this. She she was over the net, shuttle was there, I was standing there, bang, and it was literally my eye was like, oh that didn't go great at all. It literally went into my eye socket, and the following morning I was a proper shiner. So no, you're right there, summer, yes, yeah, so fast at the net, it's incredible, isn't it? I, I mean I do, I like the net as well. I do like that. I do like I do like net. I like the twists and turns. I suppose that's always the thing for me. Um. Who was your main competition growing up? Um, I mean, probably just the... the that 10 guys, you said. Yeah, the guys around me, because that's the thing, like, obviously, we were always encouraged to go down south and play against the guys down south. Um, You're talking about down south, probably, are you talking about Central Belt? Yeah, I sorry. Right. Um, I, like Glasgow, Edinburgh, that kind of area. Right. So, like, we would always travel down together we'd always you know play doubles together we'd always have that kind of kind of team ethos if you like yeah that's good um, but yeah i would say definitely all the guys like josh and stuart um all that kind of around us even like sort of the the orkney shetland like they've got a great badminton system up there um, and keep producing players yeah. who play at such a good standard like they play in the island games and all of that yes. um so I mean, do they come to the Highlands? Do they come to Inverness to play tournaments and that kind of thing from like Orkney, Shetland? Yeah, so that the Highland tournament is obviously the the main one, um, in the kind of calendar that they would come to. Is but they right? obviously they have their own league. They have the Island League. They have obviously little tournaments among themselves, um, and obviously just playing against people of a good standard kind of brings that game on as well. But yeah. And everybody, you mentioned somebody, did you mention a chap from Shetland? Yeah, so when I, I think I, maybe the first kind of year or two that I was going down, there was a, a boy called Roy Wood who was number one, I think, at the time. Um, and obviously it shows how much dedication you have to have to mm. get to the top. Because he would have to leave school on a Friday afternoon, he said to us, take the ferry down to Aberdeen and then drive whatever tournament and then not get home until... Sunday nights, Monday morning wow. kind of thing. So yeah, it's insane. But th that's the thing that you kind of you forget about. Like, see, when I was living down in Glasgow area, it was so good because you play every night of the week and you wouldn't have to travel more than sort of half an hour to get there. Whereas for me, it's like forty-five minutes. Did you play every night. Um, how many times do you week do you like to like even do you know, how many times a week do you play uh, were you playing then? Hey, just now not, not as much, much no. you keep getting injured yeah. so it's like 
it's that way where you've got to weigh it up. I do a lot more coaching. So I coach, I would say, maybe three or four times a week. And then I would play maybe twice a week, like the club that I'm at. Yeah. Um, and then the other night. So I say I'm busy every night, but yeah. Have you found yourself a good club in Aberdeen? Yeah, so I play at uh, Aberdeen Badminton Academy. So there's quite a lot of the junior guys in the regional performance squad that go along to that. Good. So it's quite good against them. And they have a great sort of like uh, team kind of culture in there. So they, they do a lot of stuff for juniors, adults as well. And it's a lot of like the kids can see where they, they go in terms of coming into that and even playing elsewhere. We've got three, three teams in the league, um, I think, at the moment. So we're going good. <laughs> and tell me something. When you see the new guys coming in, um, how do you get on a singles against them? Uh, frustrated. <laughs> do you? It, yeah, it's it's one of these things, like, you've got to look at it as a two-sided coin because one way you, you get so annoyed that you've coached them sitting to beat you at and they're using it. <laughs> and they're like, well, at least I know my coaching's working. But yeah, um, yeah, they're they're just it's a different sort of pedigree. The younger ones because they're so much. Better. Yeah, like they they can they're so fit now that they can just keep going. Do you think? Um, do you think? Do you think it's about that? Do you think it's the fitness? Is it? I think that's that's the thing. See, when a junior gets exposed to the the senior kind of circuit, the seniors are so good at. The te- technical side that yes. even if they've lost a little bit of physical they're still able to put the shuttle where they want it to go whereas maybe the juniors haven't got that technique nailed down yet but they can chase everything down so if you're playing a junior tournament and you're say for example 15 10 up you can pretty much say that you're almost going to win yes. the game but if you're 15 10 up it's happened to me you, you you finish the game pretty much so yeah oh I see wow and do, so do you think the players have got a lot better generally yeah I, I think especially with like all these changes in the game it kind of helps the younger players a bit more I would say um, well, but again what do you mean so just in terms of like obviously um, playing like you every point you win um, rather than you have yeah. to win it on every point because I remember there was a game that me and Josh played one time and I think I was 14-10 up and we, we played the old system and I think we were on the court for 20 minutes trying <laughs> to win one point it just kept going back and forward so like you're absolutely shattered by the end of it but no I think at, at the moment I think mm. especially with quite a lot of the the seniors. What I think is quite good is the players that have um, quit at a competitive level are still in the badminton circle yes. and are still coaching. So they're able to give that knowledge in potentially they may be at the start kind of thing of their career. Yeah, sorry, I'm losing you a little bit there. Oh, I see. <laughs> no, it's good. I think it's maybe a Wi-Fi or something. That's brilliant. So um, your main competition, you said Josh Holder was that a, was he a big? Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially for oh, singles. You're, like also, was... you're all a similar age. You and Josh, Stuart fans. So me and Stuart are the same age. Josh, I think, is a year younger than me. Um, but yeah, we were kind of all in that sort of age group. Yeah, you obviously you've all got really good together. It's good, isn't yeah. it? It's amazing. Um, and the clubs you've played now. I'm gonna listen. We've been on for nearly an hour. Would you believe? Um, what what can what's your current racket? Uh, so at the moment I've got an Ionix Astrex eighty eight D. So I it is. So I. I, I, mean, oh. yeah, I love it. Well, I, I got it just before lockdown, so I actually haven't been able. Is to Is it play a new colour one? Is it blue or red? Uh, red and black. Yeah, red. Uh, the new one's blue, I think. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Right. There's a twenty twenty one one which is blue, which is really annoying. I actually posted a question, is there any difference? I posted a question to Yonex, is there any difference other than the colourway? Yeah, there's an, the new 88D is blue, which is just annoying. Um, yeah, I've got that I've got an, uh, that and a 99Z. That's really good. It's quite heavy. 
head heavy, yeah. very head heavy, good for singles. That's what that's what I bought it for. I love it. I actually really like that racket. It's quite nice to have. It's funny, isn't it? It's, the rackets I had an um, Arc Saber Eleven for ages, and that was so light, like so light, it's ridiculous. And um, and I, I remember at the time thinking, God, it's amazing. It's so light, and I loved it. And then I had, went to the. Have you ever heard of a Dura Z Strike? Yeah, a Dura, which has got a, which has got a forehand and a backhand. Have you seen that? Yeah, flat side and rooms. Flat side yeah. is really gimmicky, but I quite liked it. I had two of them. Um, yeah, and now I've gone to it. So that's but it's a little bit heavier. And then um, yeah, it's funny. It's aerodynamic on the forehand. So the when you that's such a gimmick, such a gimmick. Yeah. I quite like. Well, it. I used to have like uh, I used to have Apex oh, stuff. I still kind of use yeah. it. Um, and it's it's kind of that way I was kept a good rack and then they would only have it out for a season and then it would be a new racket and I could get the old one and I'm just like oh, I finally figured a racket that I want so yeah, yeah I used them and I quite like them as well so Aslan of Palomar Aslan Bucicola is on about a, is that an Anary 7000 can't remember what it was anyway he found it, he loved it, and he, he couldn't get them anymore, so he bought five. Yeah. <laughs> he knew it was going to go up, so he bought five. Colin Campbell plays with the same racket. That was it. That's what I remember. Uh, I need to check in. I don't think it's... Maybe it's not, isn't it? Not 7,000. And so you so you tell me earlier, you've got a stringing machine of your own, and you do your own stringing. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's cool. It's a little, I guess it's a little manual thing where you just... No, so it's one. so it's quite good it's got a wee foot pedal so you don't need to crank it yourself wow. yeah um so i mean it's it's decent it's, it's getting on a wee it's bit good though um, and did you say you got that from lyndon williams yeah uh-huh but I, I can't remember when i got it was one of the national tournaments was that i was down at it's like i don't need it anymore kind of thing so it's fun to like it it's good i would do it probably if i could have one in my garage i'd probably do it just out of curiosity i would try it I think the, f- the yeah. first one I'd do would definitely be an old racket. I would just say, right, I'm just going to try this. And I would just buy some... Uh... Yeah, the amount of rackets I broke in the first couple Did of you? years. Did you? Yeah. But it's, it's that with, once you get into it, like, you get into a wee groove and you can just... Start uh, to get the measure. Them. Yeah. And the latest thing apparently is doing vertical and horizontal differences. So you can have a tension going yeah. up and tension going yeah. down. I mean, I think they're kind of following, because tennis do that, I know. Um, quite a lot of changing that to get spin on the ball a bit more or something along that so I mean yeah I I just string it at one tension and hope for the best I agree I'll be the same as you Um, so I'm going to just finish let's just finish with that question what is it do you think you like about badminton because you've been it'll been an hour now so that's great Um, what is it like like about badminton over other pursuits? You've obviously done a lot of sports and you love a lot of sports. What do you think is a bit different about badminton, would you say? Uh, I think it's it's one of these sports that lives with you. Like You always know people that played in school or played in a club when they were a junior and then 30 years passed and they can pick up still playing. And I think that's something that I quite like about the sport is how social it is as well. Like, you know yourself as well. When you go down to tournaments, you, you see people that you maybe haven't seen for months and months and it's like you've never been away kind of thing. So I think like, what once we get back to hopefully tournaments um, next year, maybe they could, like, get back. Well, I think, that's, we can I think that's part of the reason why I've started this channel, really, is that we've had a year out of seeing everybody that we see in clubs and tournaments and all over you know you go i go to quite a lot of tournaments and just but you'll just find occasionally you'll be a tournament in edinburgh and you you kind of you walk down you find people from glasgow and you might not know them you might not speak to them you might not whatever but you know you kind of know them and you kind of nod to each other and everybody knows and you do sometimes get a bit and even if you don't know them but you know one thing you do know is that one thing well i guess it's me talking too much but one thing you know that somebody that loves badminton loves badminton i don't know anybody that loves badminton that i don't like not one person yeah. you know you know what i mean we've all got the same passion we all got the same thinking why did i do that <laughs> You're not better than I did. Like, why did i knock that out i was winning so easily or 
Why did I put that into the net? Or why didn't I come around that instead of using my backhand? Something, right? It's just one of those... I think it's like golf. I think people that play golf are the same. You analyse it so much, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good. Well, that's great, Duncan. Thank you very much for your time. And we got it. No. We got it. We got it down eventually. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry if I've taken too much of your Sunday afternoon. It's been. Uh, no, it's... it's been great to chat to you. That's great. I'll get it up on uploaded shortly. Thank you for time. Thank you for watching. Um, Talk badminton, and please subscribe. Anybody that's watching, if you haven't already, because I've got now got nine. Would you believe, Duncan? I've got ninety six subscribers. This this hundred is killing me. I've had like two thousand hours of footage and a hundred follow hundred subscribers. Nobody wants to subscribe, do they? I think I don't know don't know what it is. But anyway, I've got ninety six. So I'm just bordering on a hundred. So anyway, take it easy. Thank you for your time. Have a great night. Cheers, Duncan. Thank you. Cheers.